Okay, so uh, this is uh, this is the official uh, cue, Chris. So uh, we're back with another episode of uh, uh, the Utility Strategy Podcast, another live episode, and we're here today because, uh, frankly, we're uh, we're stuck. Uh, over the past few decades, we've made plenty of progress through legislation, communication, education, and and a lot more. But for a while now, the more we invest into damage prevention, uh, well, we're not getting the results that we want to be getting. And uh, something something needs to change, which is, uh, well, that's, uh, that's what we're here to talk about uh, today with, uh, with Chris, Chris Tobel, uh, the president and CEO of uh, Texas 811, the nation's largest one-call notification system. So, uh, Chris, how, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, David. Thank you for having me on the show. Sure, sure. Uh, so the, the title of, uh, of today's event is uh, uh, No More Excuses. So uh, what are the excuses that we uh, currently have in the industry? Uh, what's the biggest one that we should uh, start tackling? You know, I've been thinking about this question a lot, David. And, um, you know, I, I, I really love the the title of the episode that we landed on here there are no more excuses and i was thinking about this over the last few days preparing for this like what what is the biggest excuse and you know i I ran through a lot of different possibilities right like we have well it's um there's there's no way to get our hands around the just massive amount of work that we have um that's that's a big one but it's not the one that i'm ultimately going to land on but you know, in Texas, we're getting about 20,000 calls a day that someone is excavating. That's a lot. That's a lot of work and 20, the ability 000. to handle. Wow. Yes. Yeah. 20,000. And that's inbound calls. So so for every inbound call that we get for an excavation, and when I say call, it could be on the web as well. Um, we're sending out about 5.3 notices of excavation. So, you know, we're sending out about 100,000 tickets a day in Texas. That's a lot, a lot of work. You know, another thing that I hear a lot is that we just don't have uh, the, the mapping, right? Like that's a that's a big one. And I think it's one that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, you know, and I, I don't think it's any coincidence that I'm on uh, a show here with a company that has done some amazing work in that area, something that I believe in a lot. We're doing, um, making some strides, making some strides. I totally believe so. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking is, as I was preparing for this, is as it relates to excuses, I'm not hearing them as much as I used to. And this is kind of where I settled in on what I really want to focus on today is I think there was a time when we, we rolled up our sleeves and we got to work in this industry and we're relatively young, right? Like we haven't been around as long as many other industries and we just just made progress year after year after year and then you you mentioned that we kind of plateaued and i think a lot of us are seeing that we're having to shift our strategy and the way that we're approaching things an example you know might be from awareness to education i think we've we've made a lot of progress as it relates to 811 and general awareness um you know for those who are going to be digging most everyone knows they call 811 first or connect with 811. But now we got to shift our focus to education. The number one excuse that I ended up settling on, David, is time. And that's what I hear the most is we just don't have time. And I think that's everywhere in every industry right now. It's one of the, the biggest problems that our nation is facing is that after the pandemic coming out of that, we've readjusted the way that we approach work and we're packing our schedules so tight with our, our lives and our families. And we're in this hybrid scenario where we're never turning off and it is time. The number one excuse is we just don't have time. And so how do we get over that? I think we have to remember why we're doing this in the first place. Like, what is our purpose? Why, why are we in this industry? And it is to protect billions of dollars of critical infrastructure and keep people safe. It's easy to take for granted the importance of protecting that infrastructure, but 
I mean, it's critical to keeping everything going from water, gas, electricity to the ability to even transmit this today. But ultimately, people go home safe to their families every day because of what we do. And we always have time for the things that are most important to us. So I think it's worth solving this plateau that we've hit in this industry because of why we exist, our purpose. I uh, I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more, and I think that you know when you talk to um, any stakeholder in the industry, whether it's uh, the utility owner or the the locator or uh, the or the the one call operator, everyone is talking about how do we protect the the veins of humanity, so to speak. What's uh, what's allowing us to to kind of go by all day, whether that's uh, water, gas, electricity, or uh, even Wi-Fi, like you said, uh, like you said before. Um, so I wanna I wanna uh, own in a bit onto utility mapping because, uh, well, like you said, we have a good reason to to talk about it, and uh, there seems to be. It, it feels like it used to be a big excuse that like we don't have data and because we don't have a map to know where where the utilities are. So we need to create some sort of a system that uh, does a lot of good, but it doesn't give us a location of the utilities. So what, what are your thoughts about that excuse today? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's kind of uh, the story there is um, how we met how Texas 811 met 4M is in in Texas several years ago, we had this idea that if we could improve uh, the accuracy and precision of information that we got to excavators, that we could improve safety. And we started meeting with some of the utility owners and many of them do have really good mapping, but a lot do not. It just wasn't an investment. Um, that that was made. And so I started talking about this future that I thought was five, 10 years down the road, a day where excavators and utility operators could have a link and this 811 system facilitating that link could give them accurate and precise information in almost real time. But I always thought that that was five or 10 years down the road, because when we talked about how do we get from point A to point B and get that data? It just seems so insurmountable. It's just such a massive amount of work to get there. Um, and yeah. so and it was just an eye to the future. I'm sorry, say say again. I, I said there are entire grids that need to be mapped. Where, where do you start? Yes. Yeah. That, so, so that's the question, right? Like, where do you start? And it, it almost gets easier to say, well, it's just too much. And then you go back to the time, right? And that as an excuse, who has time to map an entire service area across, you know, the entire United States? Like, that's yeah. so big of a job that it becomes easier to just, you know, kind of kick the can down the road. And we'll get to that later, because who has time to do all of that? And then uh, I ran into you guys and I mean, I was just amazed. I was like, somebody has taken on this, uh, massive amount of work and they've, they've actually, you know, they've, they've gotten to work on it. You know, it's like, how do you move a mountain, you, you know, one rock at a time, right? Like it, so you you guys have just gotten to work on it and you know, I've seen, I've seen what you've accomplished and it's, it is amazing. No, well, uh, um, you know, I, f I feel very uncomfortable when we talk about 4M on the show, and I, I, to be honest, I make I make a point not not to do so. But uh, as you've opened it up, I'll I'll just say that uh, yeah, we're, we feel very privileged to uh, have the opportunity to talk to to industry leaders, people like yourself, who are sort of guiding us in the best way uh, possible to solve the challenge of the subsurface because. You know, today we're talking about damage prevention, but uh, we also see the, see the challenges uh, in Sioux and we see the challenges in, in just general construction. Uh, how to how to tackle this this issue of uh, uh, subsurface utilities or utilities in general? Because 
the data is just so dispersed. There's a, there's a challenge of access to utility data. And then there's a challenge, well, even if I have the data, can I trust it? And uh, so it really is a privilege to be working uh, with uh, with people like you who are just uh, are, are, first of all, tremendous advocates. And uh, second of all, are just uh, very, very knowledgeable and uh, are very familiar with the problem space. But now I'm going to uh, do a quick uh, uh, turnaround back to our conversation because enough kind of I don't uh, so flatter myself, to, uh, ourselves too much. Um, <laughs> So uh, um, some of the things that we talked about, Chris, is that the, the time for change is uh, in, in our industry specifically is now. So we have uh, uh, like technology today, we're seeing like every day new releases in AI and VR and AR. And there's, there's an abundance of technologies out there. And we're not, we're not seeing this in, in our industry. Like, and, I, and I don't want to, to focus on it for him. I'm saying, generally speaking, the level of innovation right now in our industry, it feels, it feels a bit lacking. What is, your, what is your experience around that? Yeah, so uh, that's a fair criticism of our industry. But I will say that going back to the very beginning, when I was talking about the excuses is I don't hear them as much anymore. And what I do see, and I think you'll see if you look for it, is there are people now who are adopting these technologies in ways that we've never done before as an industry. There, there are pioneers and big company pioneers. I'll give you an example in just a second, but I want to say kind of bringing it back to the no excuses is AI is, is here, right? I mean, ChatGPT came out and it's it's scary good and the question isn't uh you know like what is this going to do to our future it's what do we do now right like ai chat gpt is here now what right uh, ar vr is here now what and uh, someone has put together a, a a data set of of maps of underground utilities across the us now what? What are we going to do with that information now that we have it, right? It's available. These technologies are available to us. So I'll go back to the example I wanted to share. Um, I'm just, I'm really proud to be working with a company like uh, Kinder Morgan because um, they've, they have, they've pushed forward in this industry and adopted new technology in a way that the industry has not seen before. We've been talking in, in Texas and at this the CGA and committees about this challenge with abandoned lines for a long time. It's a huge challenge. So the, for those on who don't know, I, I've, I've looked at the, the guest list. I think more than half know of the, the issue of abandoned lines, but you know, the issue is a, uh, a good citizen excavator calls 811. They get a ticket. It says there's going to be four underground utility or pipelines in the area. They go out there, everything is marked on time. Uh, maybe they even do some hand digging and expose or potholing and expose the line. So they visually confirm there are four lines out there and they think they have a landscape of the area. And what's missing is one of those lines they've uncovered, uncovered is actually an abandoned line, which means that there's a live line somewhere else buried that's unaccounted for. And that's a dangerous situation. So. Um, there's lots of other scenarios that could impact uh, the the work out there, but that's kind of the, the the most scary is that particular scenario. So what do we do? So what did Kinder Morgan do? They registered their abandoned facility data set with 811, turned it over, and now 811 can send a notice anytime someone's digging near the abandoned line and what we've done is we've converted into a digital file. We call it the digital locate. So now an excavator is digging, they get a, a link to a digital locate and they can visually see at the job site where the abandoned facility is. Now, wow. is it perfect 100% of the time? I don't know. I mean, we, I don't think we should let perfect be the enemy of good here because there was no information before. Right. Um, and, having that extra bit of information to know generally this is 
where it could be. And hey, FYI, there's an abandoned facility out there has improved the excavator's confidence, not only in the system, but in, in their ability to dig safely. And tell you just one quick story about that. Um, when we started this, we did, we did zero education, right? It, it's kind of like one of those uh, massive things like, all right, like, how are we going to tell everybody about this thing that we're going to do? And um, so we decided, let's, let's start doing it and then call after and get feedback and ask them how it's going. You know, this is informational. And so we did. And the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Like this is, this is great. Um, and it turned from me calling people and asking them, how is this going to us getting calls from excavators saying, Hey, where's my digital locate? I, you know, do I have an abandoned yeah. line in this area? I didn't get the link this time. Um, and that, that's just amazing. You know, that, that's just amazing. It makes us feel like we've really stepped into something and created value where it didn't exist before. And, you know, that's, that's what keeps me motivated. Let, let me ask you a, a, maybe a, a question that might be tough for some of the utility owners to, to answer. Uh, for, for a long time, um, sharing information and the way that Kinder Morgan is, is just done, I think would, would have been kind of unheard of because a lot of the utility owners kind of kept the data to themselves uh, for uh, like, like we, we started talking about excuses uh, for a lot of excuses because Homeland Security and because they didn't want the competitors to know what they were doing and, uh, and, and so on and so on. Are you seeing uh, any changes there? And are you seeing a, a shift? Like I, I think in the morning, in the morning is a is a wonderful example. Yeah. Again, I just I feel I feel so lucky that uh, we've we've gotten to work with Kinder Morgan on this because they really did set the bar for uh, everyone else. And I I don't think it's one of those things that you go backwards on. Like once the bar is set, now it's kind of opened up everything for everyone. Um, you know, this is not my line. I don't want to take credit for it, but I, I, I loved it. We were at a, a symposium earlier this year and this discussion came up. Right. And I think it's real. I think it is a real concern. National security and competitive issues and all of those things. They're real. We have to acknowledge that. But the fact is that a 10 year old with a skateboard and a GoPro could map out facilities over a summer. Right. If they were inventive enough. I mean, you can literally contact 811 and have it all marked out for you. There's pipeline markers out there. There's all kinds of evidence about where the lines are. So I think we need to ask ourselves, what is that really about? Like, what what are we holding on to that information for and how do we get past that? Yeah, um, I, I I can't uh, I can't agree more. I'll, th I'll take the the opportunity to to read out some of the things that have been said throughout the conversation. So, uh, Douglas has wrote here that uh, most of the AI issues is because uh, the companies are not stepping up to uh, to release their centerline information uh, for this process. And uh, he says that he's worked with uh, uh, with Texas same one one on this and uh, thinks that it was a tremendous step forward. Uh, he also asked, how do we speed up the dig-up process so excavators that find uh, abandoned lines, uh, water, sewer, fiber communication, gathering systems, uh, this process slows down the excavation industry and drives costs up for crew stoppages. Yes. Yeah, so uh, first, thanks, uh, uh, Douglas. I appreciate Doug's good comments there to Texas 811. He, he's also... He's one of the, the people in this Allied. industry that, that I think about, that he's, he's, he's out there with his sleeves up trying to make a difference and uh, adopting new, new ways of doing things. And he's one that's pushing things forward. So I'm, I'm uh, honored to, to work with him on all of this. Uh, that is the number one piece of feedback that we've gotten when we've reached out on these abandoned line notices to excavators to ask uh, how it's going and how they feel about it is how do we get more that number one response is how do we get more information to us like we we want to know where all the abandoned lines are we want to know where all the information is and so just a little bit about what we've done about that so far is we've worked closely with the railroad commission in texas and specifically commissioner jim Wright has 
you know, fully supported and endorsed this program that we're working on with Kinder Morgan. And the Texas Road Commission has a lot of data. And, you know, right now that data sits on their website and it's not super easy to get that data from the website to the boots on the ground when they need it, where they need it. And so that is something that we're actively working on. We think that if we can facilitate that, um, you know, we, we take another step in the right direction. Again, it doesn't solve everything. It's not going to be all we need right now, but it's one rock at a time and we're, we are moving forward. And we've seen the available technologies out there. And so we're saying, okay, now what? How do we use that to, in our industry? Yeah. Uh, another comment for you here from, on LinkedIn from uh, uh, Stacy uh, that's saying, uh, uh, don't remember the exact content, uh, context, but uh, it's not your fault. Uh, the U.S. needs to stop uh, uh, the presses on everything and reconsider the position of the American infrastructure and put it in a category of national security. Um, the other thing is companies, organizations like uh, like ours need to be more inclusive. Uh, uh, there are skilled companies out there that, uh, uh, that can help uh, through uh, 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 abilities and, and education. I think we, uh, we can support that, uh, that message. On the Homeland Security... Uh, <laughs> There's, uh, like we said, that's, uh, well, it's, uh, it's a conversation that, uh, that needs to be had, uh, like you said uh, before, Chris. Um, so uh, it seems, uh, continuing our conversation about mapping, uh, it, se it seems a bit overwhelming to try and create accuracy around mapping, because what, what is accuracy in our world? Are we trying to create accuracy for the excavator? Or are we trying to create accuracy of just knowing that there is something there? Because different stakeholders in the industry need different levels of, of accuracy. So like even saying, okay, let's go out, let's create a map of, uh, of the entire grid of whatever utility owner that is. To what level? To, to what extent? Like, the, like if we have uh, uh, data, if we have just records and as built, is that good enough to create a system or do we need to send out uh, locators into the field and have every line located to put that into our system uh, so uh, what are your thoughts about that yeah I think I think that's a it's a good question and the answer isn't obvious you know like I think the quick gut answer is um, you know everybody can say, hey, here's the level of accuracy that I need and define it. But as you mentioned, it means something different to different stakeholders in our group. And if you're at the design and, and planning phase of a job versus if you're putting a shovel in the ground, you have a different need for information and for accurate information. I think the question is, it's fair. It's, it's like, where do we invest, right? Back to, okay, Number one excuse that I see is time, right? We're all very busy. So what are we going to spend our time on? It's a finite resource. We only have so much of it to give. And so where do we focus it? Where do we want to focus our time? And if we invest in improving mapping, then what are the results down the road? Like, what do we get from that? And if you go back to the challenges that our industry faces, I think it's a reasonable place to say that's where we should be investing. If you look at our one of my first comments, we're, we're sending out 100,000 notices a day to utility owner operators that someone's digging near their line. 20,000 inbound, five times that out, outbound. Um, they have to respond to that. And would better mapping allow them to respond faster? I, I don't want to answer that question um, for them, but I think that, yeah. you know, if, if the answer is yes, then then what does that do to our, our system? You know, and then you get to the excavator. If, if the excavator had better information, attributes, depth, you know, those sorts of things, would it allow them to dig safer? Again, I don't want to answer the question. I, mean, I have my feeling on it, but if we're thinking about having an, honest, open conversation. We have a finite amount of time to invest in this industry. We, we know we need to do some things differently, right? If we keep doing it the same 
way that we've been doing it. It's like just trying to make a fax machine better, right? Like <laughs> what, are, what are we going to accomplish here? We got to move the needle to these technologies that are all around AI mapping, analytics, data, like these, these can work in our industry. And so where do we invest our time and resources in, in pushing the next rock down the hill? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's also an element of uh, uh, sometimes when we see all these uh, amazing technologies out there and we ask uh, an, a question like we were asking here is what, why not for us? Why not for damage prevention? And I think it's, uh, you know, we need to take a first step in that direction. And the first step is is sharing data and sharing information. And even uh, Doug, Doug asked another question here is, okay, so we, we have all this data. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase a bit, but a lot of it is, is uh, on paper and it's not even digital. So even if we get the data, like how are we going to make it operational? How are we going to get it to the, uh, to the folks? So there's, there's uh, a, lot of, a lot of work to be done here. And I think that's the initial lift that needs to happen. Before, like even having conversations about how to make everything uh, operational, we need to start sharing information. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, I was talking to uh, a, a technology guy, CTO, a uh, friend of mine uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And I, mean, I, I think this is kind of where I settled on. It, it's all about time. It's not about what we can accomplish anymore. Um, and, you know, he said there was a, there was a time when, you could go to technology folks and say, hey, can we do this? And the answer might be, no, we, we can't. Or, you know, there's not really a way to solve that now. Um, that's just not the answer anymore. That's yeah, not no the answer. Yeah. No yeah. Like, like we could we could do anything. Like we're doing some amazing. I mean, just look around at what this world is accomplishing. Um, I mean, it's just in, insanely amazing the things that we're accomplishing. So the answer isn't like, can we do it? The answer is, should we do it? Right. And then if we should, okay, where do we focus our time? Where, where are we going to get the biggest return on our investment of time to make this industry better, safer, um, keep the critical infrastructure going? Where should we focus? Yeah, uh, there's a, a, a statement slash question here from uh, Shane Hart, uh, who's the CEO of uh, Computers. We love the work that the, the guys over there are doing. Um, uh, uh, Shane said, I think that a lot of the reluctance to share data is because utility owners don't see ROI on it uh, and they, w uh, they want to, uh, to keep some things harder to find out for their competitors. Uh, maybe we need a bigger carrot or a bigger stick. What do you think? You know, I think I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know. Um, here's what I'll say is some utility owner operators are sharing their data. And maybe that's where we look and ask them why. Um, why did why did Kendra Morgan say Let's let's get our abandoned facilities registered with eight one one, and let's let's make this process better. And let's let's send it out to the excavator. Um, you know why is it that they did? I think others are moving in that direction, and you know we've we've moved beyond this idea of a pilot or a project. And you know this is operational now with several other pipeline owners that have have now adopted this. So. I do think that we're we're always going to have uh, the people who are kind of lagging and holding on to an older way of doing things, um, and we may not be able to convince them with uh, a carrot or a stick. But if we can look at those who have adopted it and find out why, then we can share it with those who are almost ready. They just need that little uh, push over the edge. I don't know. I, I think the answer is different for maybe a pipeline owner than it would be for a, a telecom or an electric provider um, or even a municipality. I think they may all have different reasons why they would be ready to take that next step. Yeah, I, I also think that, you know, sometimes 
uh, it's not only about wanting, like even if there's a decision maker in the organization that wants to make that happen, there are processes to make that happen that are different from organization to, to organization. Like, of course, there are going to be like those, uh, I'll be a bit harsh, but the dinosaurs that aren't kind of uh, 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 sticking with the time, so to speak. But uh, even in, in the, the event that we did together, Chris, uh, a few months ago, like, I think the majority of the utility owners were like, yeah, I'm ready to share data. Like the, the, like the, that's kind of, it's, it's like you said before, like this is going one way. This is going one way. Um, Raymond has asked a, a question here. Raymond is a good friend, good, uh, an amazing damage preventer. Uh, so he asked, does Texas 811 send out uh, the utility maps to the excavators right before they dig uh, in a certain location? And um, uh, if not, then why not? Uh, tough question. Now, thank you for that question, Raymond. Uh, now it's my turn to make an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, I mean, the, the, the truth is, you know, we, we have a, a statute that governs what we do in Texas. It's chapter Raymond's 251. Laughing, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Texas utilities code. <laughs> and, uh, it, it prevents Texas 811 from sharing utility maps. I mean, the code was written with security in mind, well-meaning, right? And it's, it's made it against the law for the A11 system to send out those utility maps. However, it has not made it against the law for the utility owner to send out that, that map. And that is how we have worked with someone like Kendra Morgan and accomplished what we did with the abandoned lines is we've provided technology and a software application to Kendra Morgan that they can use themselves as a way or subcontract with someone else as a way to distribute that information out. So Texas 1-1 cannot, um, but the utility owner operators, our members um, in Texas can if they choose. Provided that there's not some other uh, laws or regulations that are governing them that I'm not as familiar with. I don't, I don't want to uh, get sued later on for <laughs> giving it's a little approval here. Something. It seems, yeah, that uh, Raymond, the Atmos representative, uh, has given us his approval. So I think uh, <laughs> we're, good. we're good to go on that. Um, uh, another question I think that uh, that a lot of, like, we're, we're hearing this uh, uh, more and more. Like, how can we tighten the relationship, the sort of triangle that we have in the damage prevention industry, which is kind of 811 uh, utility owners and locators. What, what can we do better to create more transparency and visibility between these organizations? Man, you know, that's, that's a good question. I've been in this industry for um, 18 and a half years, and I have seen that those relationships go up and down over the years. And I think, you know, just frankly being honest and transparent, there's there's been a lot of stress lately, the amount of work. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to keep up with. And we I think it's one of those reasons we've hit that plateau is because we we figured it out. We figured out how to make 811 work. And it did for a really long time, really well. And then we continued to build in Texas and in the nation. And we, you know, there's, there's not really a, a sign of, of slowing down in, in the future that I see infrastructure bill, you know, billions and billions of dollars being so pumped in. That's the table um, getting bigger. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, now what, right? Everybody's stressed, having a hard time to find time to get the important things done. Um, and it's more important than ever now to tighten that relationship and work closer together. And I will say that uh, over the last six months, I've, I have personally seen that improve. And I've been, a, I've been personally a part of meetings where that triangle is getting tighter and the, the questions are being asked, how can we help each other? And that is promising to me to see that people are ready to do some things differently. Any, any specific example that, uh, that comes to mind or kind of a general momentum? 
Well, I'll say a specific example is in the last uh, six months or so, Texas 811 has formed an advisory committee. And on that advisory committee, we have stakeholders that uh, traditionally have not been a part of uh, planning and strategy for Texas 811, specifically locators. Um, and you know now they're uh, at the table with us talking about how do we get uh, how do we get better? How do we improve? Now, I will say across Texas, we have several damage prevention councils that we're a part of. And I think those stakeholder groups have always been there at the grassroots level, the boots on the ground level. And now it's kind of coming up to the strategic level. How do we set long term initiatives that can improve the way that we all work together? Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I also think that, you know, looking at kind of the uh, workforce challenge that is kind of cross uh, cross industry, like no matter where you go in construction, you're going to hear about the workforce challenge. And uh, I think that uh, there's not going to be really an option for these kind of three stakeholders not to work together to be more and be more conservative on resources and share those resources and those those assets that make the whole system uh, work together. I think it's going to be inevitable. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> I talk about this a lot and I, I really mean it. I think this is the most exciting time to be a part of our industry right now. And I think someone way smarter than me is going to figure out how to bring all of this together. But it's like, okay, we got massive amounts of work to do. We have this really great data set being built over here. We have uh, analytics in ways that we've never had them before. So now we can assess risk before it happens. We have the ability to detect disturbances on the ground with fiber optics, you know, like all of this can come together, I think, in some way and solve the challenges of we we have more work than than time to get it done. And how do we do it safely? Um, because there's still a lot of noise. There's still a lot of noise, a lot of waste in the system that we can clean up. And when we do, I think we'll be left with the most important work in front of us and we can get that done. Yeah. Going back to, to abandoned lines for a second, Douglas has asked here, uh, going back to the previous topic, that uh, if the line is uh, legally abandoned and no one owns it uh, but the landowner, so is the data not covered uh, by law? So are we able to, to share uh, the data, the maps of the abandoned lines because of that? Yeah, I think uh, so. I don't know the answer to that question. Um, and I, sometimes can get talking fast and maybe weigh in on, on legal things that I'm not qualified to, to uh, weigh in on. I gotta be careful, but uh, I, mean, I think, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fair question. Um, it may open up more opportunity. Yes. For us to be able to continue to get this information out there. Yeah. Raymond, uh, Raymond here agrees. Uh, what does it say? Uh, the data of abandoned utilities need to be left on the map so the 811 systems. I think we can all agree that we all want to have as much data as possible on our systems. I think yes. uh, we've got a consensus. Uh, got a consensus there. Um, so what what else? Uh, like we're talking a lot about uh, about technologies, but what can we do? Kind of at the. Uh, I'd say at the system level, at the organization level, to to, to improve uh, our SOPs today in damage prevention. Yeah, I think I think a few key areas of focus. Um, one is, I feel like we have to shift as eight one ones, those my my peers in this industry, from awareness to education. So. What I mean by that is I feel like we've done, we got to keep awareness out there. We got to keep that evangelizing the message of 811 and connecting with 811 before you dig. But in terms of dividing those resources, I think we need to invest more heavily in education. Um, the, the number one reason for damage is still failure to call 811. But when that failure to call 811 happens, it happens amongst professional excavators a lot of the times. And they know, 
And so what is the reason for them not connecting with 811? I think there's education that we can do there about connecting with 811 every time, the process, the importance, et cetera. Um, there might be some problems and challenges that we need to solve. Maybe they're not calling because they're uh, challenged with the confidence in the system that they're going to get the lines located on time. Okay, so how do we solve that? I think data comes into play there, right? The better we can filter out noise and the better we can deliver to the locators, the most important uh, locates that need to be handled and filter out all the other noise, the better able they're going to be to respond on time. Uh, and then that goes to the, the mapping, right? Like the better mapping we have, it improves things from the very beginning, the design and planning phase. Um, and, you know, just carries all the way to the point where we're putting the shovel on the ground. Do you think we'll be able to, uh, uh, like, there's a lot of different solutions for uh, sort of a, a ticket screening, sort of focusing our locate efforts on uh, in, the, in the right places. Uh, do you think we're going to see more, uh, that, that being more and more optimized? I think so. You know, the... The A11 system, when we, when it was developed, it was developed as a way to bring in everything under one call, one connection. You know, we, we, we refer to ourselves now as 811, but for years we were one call. And the reason is because before one call, there were five calls or 10 calls. And the, the excavator had to try to find all the different utility owner and operators who were in that area and call each one and have them come out and and mark out the area. And then we brought everything under one call. And at that time, at least in Texas in the 80s, uh, maps and data and all that stuff, you know, I mean, it, we're orders of magnitude beyond that now. Um, and so it was, it was easy to say we kind of serve everyone the same, right? If you're in the general vicinity of this excavation, then we're going to send you a notice and let you know. Over time, the, the, reasons uh, and the motivations to improve mappings have differed among the different utility owner operators. And so some are at a place where they're ready to have more precise information registered with 811 and received from 811. But 811 is still serving everyone under one call. And because of that, we're, we're treating everyone the same, where others are ready to be more precise, do more screening and filtering and refining. Um, you know, and, and I think, I just want to say one thing about screening. You know, it's like, I think screening can have a, maybe a negative connotation or, you know, it's not fully understood. And really screening is about serving a utility owner operator in the place that they are ready to be served. They have precise mapping. They know that they can refine their uh, GIS service area to, 10 feet and they're confident in that um, the 811 system is is built to serve that utility owner and the one who doesn't know within 500 feet you know they're they're in a general area and so serving both of those the same is detrimental to those who have more refined service areas and that's where what we call screening comes in it's just a secondary service for the utility owner operators who are ready for it have good enough map data to be able to refine that and only receive the tickets that are in direct conflict with their service areas. Yeah, I think I think uh, these types of services and products that are now being offered, I think that they're, they're amazing because going back to to your first point, time. How do we how do we conserve the time of the the system? How do we conserve our resources? I think products like this do exactly that and i think another good example are uh, the design tickets are kind of taking that sort of burden so to speak off the entire system and kind of confining it uh to one place uh, how, how did uh, texas 811 uh, um, uh, start issuing the challenge of design tickets so you know i think that was kind of born out of necessity um Years and years ago, we've been doing design tickets for a while, but it's a it's a it's an important question because it's one that I've recently started looking at. You know, 
what is the value that Texas 811 is bringing to the table as it relates to design tickets? And we do about 10,000 a year. Uh, that's not, that's not a lot when, you know, we do 20,000 regular tickets a day. Um, yeah. So what, what is it that, that, the people who are submitting design ticket requests are getting out of that. And I, th- I think that's another area that has not changed for Texas 811 since we've started doing it. I mean, they, they get a basic list of the utilities in the area. And then I think, I don't know this for certain, but I, I can see those who are submitting the design request and they, they work for engineering firms. I think from there, they're taking that list and probably going out and reaching to those companies directly asking for maps and data so that they can plan. So is there a way Texas 811 can make that process better? Well, that's that's what keeps me motivated. You know, that's 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 why I'm here. I like to find areas of opportunity to create value where it didn't exist before. I mean, that just drives me. So I think that is a, a very specific area where Texas 811 can improve the value that we're providing to the industry. And because it all begins in the planning phase. Let me let me ask you an even tougher question about uh, about design tickets. Do you think that some of, like you said, the the Texas A one one has ten thousand tickets uh, per year design tickets? Uh, do you think that some of the regular tickets that are are still being uh, uh, being uh, transmitted are design tickets, but they just they <laughs> kind of also but they also want the 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 marking so to speak they also want like kind of the the full service uh, do you know what i mean yeah 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 so i don't i don't know i will tell you that i uh that i heard a story several years ago of a engineering firm that called in a regular 811 ticket and then parked their truck behind a tree and hid in the bushes while wow, they came out and <laughs> And actually marked with paint and flags, um, because because a lot of times survey design tickets are not responded to, right? Like um, they're this and they're not, you know. <laughs> yes, and, and to be fair, I don't think that that it's a requirement, right? It's it's more of a we're, we're trying to facilitate communication, and you know, there's a requirement to respond to dig tickets, but a survey maybe not so much, and so. The, 10,000 may be low. It may be low. Yeah. I also think that, uh, and, and keep me honest here, but uh, there's also a responsibility to, at the end of the day, protect uh, the utilities. So, like, that's number one priority, right? So, uh, yeah. like, and obviously there's, like, you need to prioritize when you have, uh, what, what, the, what was the number you said it was? 20,000 a day? Um, yes. So you need, you need to prioritize. Like you need to make sure that you're protect that you're investing your efforts in the right places. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Chris, we have uh, we have ten more minutes, and what what I like uh, what I like to do is uh, uh, I like to put my guests on the spot a bit and ask them what <laughs> you think is the most like if there was one message that you needed to convey today to the damage prevention industry. What do you think that would be? That's a great question. That's a great question. So I got one message that I can convey. And I think for me, it is about remembering why we're doing this, remembering why we exist as an industry, as, as 811, why we signed up for this in the first place. Um, we, we got into the nuts and bolts of how to make things better and tactical ways we can improve. And um, we can easily get caught into that. Right. And OK, let's, we're, we're solving problems. We're we're moving things around on a, on a chessboard. We're developing strategies. We're responding to 20,000 tickets a day. Every one of those tickets is someone saying, I want to dig safely. I need to avoid damage and I want to be safe when I dig. And we are here to keep them safe, to keep the community safe, to keep everyone who lives and works around those lines safe. And I don't want to go 
uh, in a dark to a dark place here, but we all know what happens when we, when we get this wrong, right? Um, and that's the message that I would pass on to everyone today is like what we do is important work. You know, what, what we do matters to the state, to the nation, to the people who are, who are out there with the boots on the ground, living and working around all this underground infrastructure. It's important work. So I, I would say to everyone who's on and, and going to watch this later is you know, thank you for all the work and effort that you're doing every day. Um, I am seeing people who are leaning into this and in a, in a way that is inspiring to me. And I just appreciate being along for the ride. Yeah, we have uh, some support in the chat here. Uh, damage prevention is all about protecting the public. This includes everyone and the environment. Uh, to protect the public, we must protect the pipe. I love that. Uh, Albert writes, these platforms help educate and facilitate building relationships that are ultimately vital to damage prevention. Keep going. I think that was uh, about the show. I really appreciate that, Albert. Albert. Um, Chris, one one last question. Uh, uh, who do you think should be next on the show? Who should we talk about? <laughs> Man, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um because we're setting a high standard now with each from event to event, we're growing kind of with the caliber of guests that we have. Yeah, so, I don't know uh, about that. I think we went backwards with me from the last week. I don't think so. I don't Man, you know, I, I think there there are there are a lot of thought leaders in this industry. I, I do not count myself among them. I, I'm inspired constantly by uh, all the people around me. There are a lot of really forward thinking executive directors and CEOs of 811 Systems uh, across the U.S. Texas is uh, is unique and, and different in our own ways. I think any one of my peers in this industry would be great to have. On the show, I think anyone who, if, if you look back at uh, CGA and the Damage Prevention Councils, they do a good job of uh, elevating up those who are really, really passionate about making a difference. And so I think you got a good list of people to choose from there. Um, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll chew on it a bit and I'll throw you some names out. So I'm going to catch you after the show and I'm going to get a real right. name out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, I'd like uh, I'd like to thank you. Uh, this has been a, a real pleasure uh, for for me for for the audience. This has been really great, I, uh, guys. I, I love the questions in the in the chat. Really, keep it going and keep uh, keep attending our uh, our shows and episodes. We're really having a great time here, spreading the word and uh, both the challenges and sometimes solutions that uh, that we have uh, for what's going on in the industry today. Um, so Chris, again, thank you so much and everyone else. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. See you.